Get your Bibles, go to, go to Genesis 15.1. The sermon tonight's called, What Moves God? Uh, and I'm going to tell you right now, it'll be, it'll be good. I don't know what moves you, but I know what moves God. She moves you. I know, she moves you. She just leans real hard and moves you. Isn't, isn't church fun? I'll tell you, I've met, I've met some of the best, I've made some of the best friends I've ever had in my entire life in church. People that stick with you thick and thin, hell and high water. And you know what? You hang around long enough, you'll get on each other's nerves enough, you'll start liking each other better. You know the way to bond. Go on vacation together. No, no. We went on a mission trip one time. We bonded real good, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> you get to know everything about it, about good, the bad, and the ugly, like a cowboy movie. Genesis chapter 15. You know, there's a, there's a mindset here, and I'll talk about what moves God because, um, you know, there's times we want him to do something, and we've prayed, and nothing's happened. And we want to know, what is it that actually causes him to get up and move? And think about this for a minute. How would you move him if he didn't want to move? Well, first of all, you wouldn't. But there is a way to get his attention. There's, there's one thing that always gets his attention. One thing. And I'm, we're going to talk about that tonight. You're going to leave here and go, I know how to move God. Now, now let me say something to you because I'm going to use a couple of big words here, really big words. And I'm not trying to impress you or intimidate you. Whenever you hear people preach, there's two sides of the gospel or the Bible. And, and um, because of these two sides, and they're very simple, uh, it confuses people. There's the legal side of the Bible. It's legal. It's a legal document. Then there's the vital side. That means, you know, everyday thing. For instance, legally, you're already saved. Vitally, you're working on it. You know, we would say your spirit's right with God, but your soul, you're still working on your soul. So any time you hear people preaching, you have to understand they're going to say things that are true. But then you have to ask, is he talking legally or vitally? For instance, God, you can't move God. He's already moved, finished his work and sat down. Is that true? That is true. That's legal. That's a legal. See, the Bible is a legal document. He's finished, he sat down, he ain't never doing anything about it again. That's legally true. But does he move? Yes. All right. Is he ever going to move again? No. Now that's, I'm, I'm messing with your head. In one sense, legally, you're, he's finished redemption, and that's the end of that. Now, when we say God, then we have to ask, are we talking God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Ghost? Because a lot of times people say, well, you're not going to move God, and they're talking Father or Jesus. But the Holy Ghost does move. So I'm saying that to you because one of the, one of the things that happens when you watch preachers is they will, they will get on a, a, an area of the, of the Bible where they're trying to teach you um, redemption. And they'll make state, statements like, you don't move God. And they're, they're, what they're telling you is true. Are you, am I confusing you? Okay. So, so having said that, but then again, when I come along and say what moves God, then let's say it another way. What causes him to respond? Wouldn't that be a better way to say the same thing? Because legally he's already moved. So let's talk about what causes God to respond to you. So Genesis chapter 15, let's look at verse 1 through 18. We're going to read a little scriptures. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision says, don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I'm going childless and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And the word of the Lord came and says, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body will be your heir. Now, you understand, we're talking about a man who's impotent and his wife is barren. And what I mean by that is that her, her, her time of, of, of having children is past. She has no egg 
she, uh, there's just, her time as being a mom was gone, way past being gone. So this, so when God says this to them, it's, that's a big deal. All right. Um, and he brought him outside and said, I look toward the heaven and count stars if you're able to number them. And he says, so shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord and he accounted it for righteousness. And he said to them, I'm the Lord who brought you out of Ur the Chaldees to give you this land. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know I will inherit it? All right, now I want you to underline that in your Bible because what he just said right there is absolutely a powerful statement. If, how would you make God do something even if he told you he'd do it? You have to understand there's no, there's no TBN, there's no uh, Kenneth Copeland Ministries, there's no Joyce Myers. So Abram has no television, no newsletters. He, his only concept of God is what he's hearing God say. He doesn't really know what you know. He don't know anything about Jesus. He don't know anything. He just has this guy calls himself God that he saw him burning in a bush or Moses. That's later. That's later. Sorry. So, but he just has this guy talking to him. So God's talking to him. But now he asked a powerful question. I know you're God, but there's no way I can make you keep your word. Right? All right. So he asked him a really powerful question. How do I know what you just said to me so? I mean, if you decided to, to leave and never come back, I don't know where to even find you. I don't know how to get a hold of you. I, there's no lawyers down here to even sue you. You know, there's, so, so what would you do? And now that's a big question because a lot of times people pray and nothing happens and they really don't know how, how is it that I know? How do you know that you're going to heaven? How do you know that? Faith in what? People say, well, you believe in Jesus. Satan believes in Jesus. Let's read the rest of this. Look at verse 9. He says, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought these and he cut them in two down the middle and placed each piece opposite of the other. He did not cut the birds in two. And when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abraham, Abram drove them off. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram and behold, horror and a great darkness fell upon him. Now think about this for a minute. He has, ju he has just asked God, how do I know? What's God just doing? Do y'all know what he's doing? What's he cutting? Blood covenant. The only, now I'm gonna get ahead of myself. The God responds to nothing but blood. That's a powerful statement. He, listen, I'm going to say something. I don't, I don't want, I'm not saying that God's insensitive. Needs don't move God. Your needs don't move God. Your bad day don't move him. Your good day, then nothing in your life moves God. He don't move because you're having a terrible day and you're praying. He don't move because of that. There's people pray all night long and that prayer means, oh, scream and holler and nothing ever happens. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. Think about this for a minute. The only way that a holy God can deal with a man is through a blood covenant. So God, he asked God a question. He says, how do I know you're going to keep your word? And he says, you go get the animals. Let's, let's you and I cut covenant. Now, a covenant cannot be broken. Now, here's what a blood covenant means. Either one of us breaks it. Death is the penalty. So God is saying, now listen to this. I want you to listen to what God is saying. When you cut covenant, God is saying, if I break it, I'll destroy myself. So he's going, I, I'll, I'll keep my word. So what he did was he just entered with Abraham, or Abram at the time, the most sacred of all covenants, a blood covenant. Now the Bible it's a shame that we call it Old Testament and New Testament 
because it loses its meaning. It's actually not. It's actually old blood covenant, new blood covenant. God has entered into blood covenant with, with humanity. Now, let me get ahead of myself. Later, we're going to read that God delivers the children of Israel from, from Egypt. But the reason he delivers them is because of the covenant, not because they're having a bad time there. And were the Jews better than the Egyptians? No. God has never dealt with people whether they're good or bad. He's always dealt with people based on the blood. Always. Mm. It's quiet in this Baptist church. It's okay. I love Baptists. So I'm going to show you something here, and this might kind of blow your mind just a tiny little bit. Abram has cut uh, the covenant. Now God has to cut his side of the covenant. Now we now, now I know y'all know the answer. When did he do it? It's simple. You can say Jesus. Calvary, someone, come on, act like you. All right. You remember Jesus in John 8, they were talking to him, and he said, Abraham saw my day. Remember that scripture? And rejoiced. All right, let me ask you another question. I'm going to blow your mind just a little tiny bit. If everybody that's ever been born on the earth can only get to God through the blood of Jesus, is Abraham any different than anyone else? No, Abraham was not righteous because he believed God was going to give him a little boy. I'm going to say it again. Abraham was not righteous because God was going to give him a son. Abraham was righteous Because he believed in Jesus. So when did Abraham see Jesus dying on the cross? Right here. The only way we know that is Jesus told us. Abraham saw my day. If Jesus said he saw the day, he saw the day. The only place he could have seen the day is when he cut covenant. And we saw that that day Jesus died, the whole earth went black. The whole earth. I mean, it went stone. I mean, the whole earth. Pitch black. North Pole, South Pole, Inca Indians, everybody went black. Not just Jerusalem. For those, that time that Jesus was on that cross, the whole earth, the sun refused to shine. I mean, it was just the whole thing went black on everybody. So we're, we're reading this and we realize that God is saying, I'm going to cut a covenant. Now listen to these words. Now any of y'all in here uh, involved in accounting or books in any way, numbers, anybody do that for a living? Lisa does it. Anybody else? Anybody keep a checkbook anymore? All right. There's a, there's a word we use in accounting that says, I'm going to go ahead and I put it on the books. I'm going to account it to you by faith. I'm going to loan you the money. We're putting the money on and I know you're going to pay it back. So what we read right here when it says the term that Abraham's faith was accounted to him, he was putting his faith in Jesus' future. Just like we're putting our faith in Jesus' past. But Abraham was not made righteous. Him who knew no sin became sin that we might be made the righteousness of God. Abraham was not born again or made righteous. So righteousness was accounted to him until Jesus rose from the dead. But God allowed him to see it and put his faith in Jesus. All right. Now. So what have we learned so far about how do you, what moves God and how do we know, how did Abraham know that God would keep his promise? The blood. 
So when you saw the movie, I don't know, maybe you didn't. Most Christians see Christians' movies. And, and I, I got a confession. I have a, I have a don't, don't, don't be mad at me. I, I don't like Christian movies because they're all hokey. Don't get mad at me. But in the movie, Abraham is in his tent and God asked him to take his son. And he's crying and he's whining. And, and, and that's all a lie. He didn't do any of that. There's nothing in the Bible about that. When, when God said, take your son, you're only turning up on the mountain and, and slay him, he'd already seen Jesus die on the cross. He'd already seen what God was going to do. And that's why it says he accounted him as raising him from the dead. Because he knew that Jesus would die and rise from the dead. Amen. And there's where Abraham got his faith in the blood. So Abraham's faith was in the blood. Now, now. Boy, I want to get ahead of myself so fast, so bad. Under the old covenant, because of man's sin, they sacrificed an animal once a month, once a year, to atone or to cover sin. Didn't do away with sin nature; it just covered it. But as long as God saw the blood. He saw something had died, no reason for you to die. All right. So every time God deals with a human, think about this, because you need to learn this. Every time he deals with you about anything, he's dealing with you through blood. Let me get, can I get way ahead of myself? When he sees you and I right now, he sees the blood of Jesus. And because Jesus paid the debt, he sees us perfect. Thank you for the blood. God, nothing you've ever done or ever will do is going to add to Calvary. Nothing. Every prayer you've ever had answered and every prayer you're ever going to have answered is because of what Jesus did. And when we say, when we use the term, I believe in Jesus, he died and rose from the dead, you're really, you're really talking blood covenant. I believe he died on the cross. Now, now let, let, me, let me get way ahead of myself. Jesus was not mortal. If he hadn't become sin, he'd still be here. Adam was not mortal. Jesus was not mortal. Mortal means death ruled. Jesus had never sinned. His body was, was not mortal like ours was mortal. It is impossible for him to have even died on the cross had not God poured his wrath on him and he became sin. Couldn't have died. When the Bible talks about Jesus dying on the cross, it's not talking just physical. It's talking spiritually. He had to taste death, spiritual death for every man. And in order to do that, he had to become sin. When he did, he took all sin in himself. So that's what makes, when he rose from the dead, he told Mary, he says, don't touch me. I haven't ascended to my God and your God, to my father, your father. See, he says, he had to take his blood to the Holy of Holies. And what was there was a judgment seat. When he put his blood on it, it became a mercy seat. Yes, so that God could treat you and I as though we've never sinned because of the blood. Amen. All right, we're getting, I'm getting way ahead of myself. Way, way, way ahead of myself. Exodus chapter 2, 23. Let's go over there because I want to show you this. I'm way ahead of myself, right? Well, y'all are exciting. I'm going to have to use my faith. Father God, they're excited. They're full of life and joy. And I just, they're so excited. Y'all sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. Exodus 2.23, 2.23. It happened in the process of time, the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage. They cried and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. And God heard their groaning and remembered his covenant with Abraham. What's causing him 
to move. Blood. If there was no covenant, they could have cried till hell froze over. He'd have done nothing. That covenant he made with Abraham, he's still honoring it. I'm going to tell you something right now. You go to Israel, he's honoring it right now. Don't think, I'm going to say something to y'all, just don't get mad at me. The Jews, the ones I met, they're stubborn as heck. They are a stubborn people. You, that's one reason you need to go. You, you need to meet the people Jesus talked to. I was on the airplane and there was a Jew sitting next to me. And he looked at me and he says, you know the difference between a Christian and a Jew? I said, no, what's the difference? He said, well, when you have two Christians talking, you have two opinions. He said, when two Jews are talking, you have seven. <laughs> and he said, we are the most argumentative. We go to synagogue and fight with each other on purpose. That's we open up our Bible and just get in fights. That's how we learn our Bible. We just argue. Even if we're wrong, we just argue. He's just, and this is a Jew. I'm talking to a Jew on the airplane. <laughs> God was getting me ready for Israel. And um, so, so God didn't go down there because they're so, so, you know, these just wonderful people. Matter of fact, he'll tell you later. He says, you, boy, you guys are ticking me off. You're, you, and, I'm, and I didn't save you because you're so awesome. I'm saving you because I'm awesome. All right, now let's move on because I'm going to show you a whole bunch of these in the Bible. Exodus 12, go to Exodus 12 now. See, you're going to start seeing this everywhere uh, in the Bible. I had a, 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 a friend, Lisa knows who I'm talking about, who believes in God is sovereign and nothing happens but God allows it. Everything that God Everything that happens, good, bad, and ugly is God. And he said, he, he brought up this thing about God made, made them do this. He made them do it. I said, no, he didn't. He said, well, God made, made Jonah go to Nineveh. He's a sovereign God. He made him do it. I said, he did not. Jonah cut a covenant with God. See, once you cut covenant, God's got rights. For instance... There are things, I mean, there's a lot of women in here tonight, and honest to God, I've never called a one of y'all and asked you for dinner or nothing. I probably better not. But there is one lady sitting in this room right now that if we don't have dinner, I probably will say something to her because I have covenant with her. Now, I've never asked Angela where she was. It's Quite frankly, it's none of my business. I've never asked Catherine where she was, none of my bits. But I have asked Lisa where she was. <coughs> Why? Covenant. We're in covenant. Yeah. When you enter into a covenant, you, got, you get certain rights. So God moves in the Jewish nation because they cut a covenant with him. And then there's, there's, there's as a born-again Christian, you entered into the blood covenant. And so God's got certain things. He don't say, I mean, your neighbors are living like hell and he don't say nothing about it. You start doing it, he's going to have a talk with you. And that's why a lot of people say, well, I know people who live like hell and they don't go through all that. That's right. They're going to hell and they ain't God's kids. Leave them alone. None of your business. You ever think about the fact that God doesn't want to give them hell before they go? That's probably why a sinner lives better than you do. Don't shout me down. Now, you start stealing, he'll deal with you. They steal, he don't do nothing. Unless they mess with you. They steal your money, he'll go get them. You know, I got a little side journey here. Let me just think about this for a minute. What do you think was going through Jesus' mind when Saul was attacking the church? I'm going to kill him. This is my opinion. He didn't come to the road that day to turn him into a preacher. He came to kill him. Just think about it. And then he, Paul said something. Lord! Yes, amen. Jesus backed up and said, 
okay? You want to be one of us? All right, because I'm fixing to give you the job of the guy you just killed. I mean, he, he got in by the hair on his chinny chin chin. I mean, he went, blood, and Jesus went, oh, you saved your hide, you think. But I'm fixing to send you to the Gentiles, and you're going to, whoo, it's going to be tough, boy. He goes, I'll do it, just don't kill me. That's why he called himself the least of the apostles. All of us went, Jesus, and he went, yeah, hey, hey, okay, you're in. Now, now you're in covenant. There's no judgment on you, but you're a child. So you're a child of God. So he'll deal with you accordingly. Okay. All right. Are y'all okay? Uh, Exodus, Exodus 12, 12, 12. I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, man and beast. Now, God's doing this. Devil's not doing this. People say the devil. That wasn't the devil. Against all of the gods of Egypt, I'm going to execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I'm jumping over your house. Now, I don't know whether y'all know this or not, but there were Egyptians that put blood on their door. What happened to them? They were saved. He didn't say you had to be Jewish. He just said, if I see the blood, there were Egyptians that were going, what are they doing? What are they doing? They're killing lambs and putting blood on the door. Go get us a lamb. Get us some blood. Put it on the door. My God, God is coming to get everybody. Now, we, every, every year we pass over, we talk about this. God is still, listen to me, he's still a God of judgment. He's, but he has a problem. This is, he has this, he has this huge problem. He is a God that demands perfection. And everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and ain't nobody worth a dime, but he loves us. And he can't ignore it. He can't wink at it. So somebody's got to pay this debt. And that's when Jesus came and paid it. When Jesus paid it and shed his blood, God said, that's enough. And the moment you said, Jesus, God went, that's enough. And God passed judgment, passed over you from that moment forward. There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. That's why we come to church and worship God and we sing about the blood and we worship about the blood and we get excited about the blood. And anytime you're having a problem with the devil, all you got to do is go, hey, I plead the blood. And he's got to go, you better back off that guy right there because you touch him, you got to deal with God. God may, God may not answer you because of your bad day. You start mentioning blood, God is coming to your house to fix the problem you just prayed about. And it don't matter how bad it is. You know, we need to start singing a lot more uh, songs about the blood of Jesus. I think we're forgetting what Jesus did for us on that cross. It wasn't something that happened 30 years ago or 40 years ago. That blood is flowing every day, every day, every day. The blood flows through your body every 30 seconds. And because it's flowing, it's cleansing all of the trash out of the inside of you. You need the blood of Jesus flowing all the time to keep the trash out of your life. The blood stops flowing, you're going to lose, you're gonna, you're, that part of your body's going to get amputated. They're going to whack it off. Amen. All right, all right. Sir Samuel 17. I, I, I kind of thought y'all were going to get excited before the night was over. You had a little worried there to begin with because we're talking about the blood and you're just looking at me like a dog in a new bowl, but I think y'all are coming along pretty good. 
All right, let's look at some, one more here. Let's, let's look at more than one more. 1 Samuel 17, 26. A lot of times people read these stories and they have no earthly idea what happened here. This is David and Goliath. David is about to go up against a man who's been a warrior since he was a boy. And he's, he's good 11, 12 feet tall. Yep. I mean, this is, this is one huge dude. He, is, he averages killing, you know, seven, eight, or nine, ten guys at a time. I mean, ain't nobody with him. And then, you know, the, the joke is David steps out there with a slingshot. Now, now, we know the story, so you all aren't excited, but you're thinking to yourself, I mean, my God, that's like one of the kids in youth children's church going against Arnold Schwarzenegger. That ain't, that ain't right. <laughs> or Van Damme or, I mean, you're just thinking, no, no, Jet Lee, this is just not going to work. But this guy is massive. David says, no, I'll go out there and kill him. But I'm going to show you how he did it. You ready? Amen. 1726. And David spoke to the men who stood by him and says, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? And who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy the armies of Israel? What did he just say? You see, God gave circumcision to the Jewish nation as a sign of the blood covenant. He just said, I'm going up against a man without God and I'm full of God. I'm obligating God to take care of me and I'm going in there alive. I'm coming out alive. Because there's no way in the world that I can go in there with the blood on me and die. That's how he killed the lion and the bear. God will, listen, God is obligated because of the blood of Jesus to take care of you. My God, see, you mix faith with it. He'll meet all of my needs according to his riches and glory. What are you saying? You're applying, you're applying the blood to your finances. When you say, you, you said by his bruises, what in the world did you mean by bruises? That's where the blood flowed out of his body. And you're saying, because of the blood, I'm healthy. I'm going to make a statement here, and, I'm, and I want you to listen to me. It doesn't take a lot of faith to be healed. It got quiet. I mean, we, we, you know, to us, it's, oh, no. You're not putting faith in your faith. The, the, the more you understand that the blood gave you rights. Now, Lisa has never used her faith for my checkbook. Why is that? It's hers. Oh my God, y'all are getting it. You need to use your faith from my checkbook, but Lisa don't have to use her faith from my checkbook because it's hers. Why would I use my faith for healing when it's mine? Come on, Pastor. Come on. Oh, come on, y'all. That's mine, devil. That's mine. Well, see, I'm believing God. No, you're not. You're not. You're, you don't even know what you're talking about. Well, I'm standing on the word for my healing. No, you're not. You're, you're not even in faith. I've never heard Lisa say, I'm, I'm just standing and standing for the money for groceries. I'm just standing. <laughs> I've never heard her say that. As a matter of fact, I, I, I've, I've seen some new rings lately and I... That's okay. We agreed to. Yeah, I'm, I'm bragging on myself a little bit right now. She just got herself a really nice one. But that's. But I'm not mentioning that because I don't want to embarrass her sitting back there with me. All right. Let's look at another one. First Samuel 17:45. And David said to the Philistine, "You're coming to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin." 
<laughs> Listen, cowboy, I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. Of the armies of Israel whom you defiled this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I'm going to cut your head off. He did not say anything about I'm going to do it. He said, I'm coming out there with a slingshot, but you and I both know God's fixing to knock your head off, cowboy. Now, can we all live with that kind of confidence? Absolutely. Listen, listen to me. If I, if we would get this, just get, we have a better covenant. They came out with silver and gold and we have a better covenant. They had not a feeble among them and we have a better covenant. Why isn't it working? Because we're not applying the blood. Let me say something else. Y'all get this. When you, when you plead the blood, you're obligating God. He can't tell you no. <laughs> Have you ever heard anybody say, I prayed to get saved and, and God said no? Have you ever heard it? I've never. Why do we think that we're obligating him for healing? Healing's easier than salvation. Why would he give you salvation and not give you the lesser? Thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. Y'all just, I'm trying to get you to think right here. I want you to think. Chapter 18, verse 1. Look at this. Now, We know that God chose David to be the next king, but Saul's son knows it too. David has been anointed to be the king in Saul's place. Jonathan would be the next king, but God has rejected Saul. So what happens to Jonathan? He's out of the picture, but he's not stupid. Look at, what, look at what he does. See, he's, not, he's coming along going, okay, God kicked my dad out, gave it to David. Uh, I'm in trouble. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. And when they had finished speaking, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Let's go on. Saul took him that day and would not let him go to his father's house anymore. Verse 3. Then Jonathan David made a what? Covenant. Covenant. Jonathan ain't stupid. Now, Jonathan is the type of you. See, Adam lost it. Jesus got it. And we're going, Saul was my father and I'm screwed. I think what I'm going to do is cut covenant with David. Come on, y'all. So he's not out. (laughs) That's what a Christian is. We just jumped in there and went, Jesus is king. And so, hey, why don't you and I just come on down here and have some bread and wine and we cut covenant, dude. Yeah, this is awesome, guys. You know, whenever you're taking communion, don't take it and go, grape juice cracker. Man, this, 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 this means everything in the kingdom is mine. Listen, if Trump calls you and wants to cut covenant with you, go. You don't do, I don't care what's going on in your life. Be in the Oval Office and you take your own wafer and grape juice. Whatever. If, if he cuts covenant with you, you the, you're, you're, in good, you're in a good place. What do you think happened the day you got saved? What do you think you're doing when you take communion? You're doing it in remembrance. I, God just wanted to remember today about that blood. That save, you know, it's still working today. And yeah, and that means if it's your, it's mine and 
and healing's mine and prosperity is mine and, and the blessings of Abraham are mine. And <laughs> what moves God? Blood. Now, let me tell you something. Let me, let me give you an old English word. Old English. Blessed. The old English word for bless is blood. When you say, God bless you, that's old English for the word blood. That's where the word bless came from, blood. When you apply the blood, you blessed. Abraham's blessings are mine through the blood of Jesus. I'm not even getting anywhere near done. I got to move now. Romans 3.19. We get excited about this any day of the week. You want to and twice on Sunday. You know, I, I think the Wednesday nighters are really smart people. They're just smart people. Because I can't go like this on Sunday, you know. I mean, I'm, we're dealing with, a, you know, just a little lighter Christian there. Just, uh, you know, do the do drop in. But it's Wednesday nights, now we, all, we can go someplace on Wednesday night. 319, let's read this. Three, uh, 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 we know that whatever the law says, it's saying to those people under the law, so every mouth will be stopped and the world becomes guilty. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, nobody's going to be made righteous in his sight for by the law's knowledge of God. Now, the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus to, own, to all and own all who believe. There's no difference. Everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Therefore, being, being made righteous freely by grace through the redemption that is in Christ who God set forth is a propitiation by his blood through faith. What in the world does that mean? The word propitiation means reconciliation and mercy seat. The word, the word propitiation means that God is using his blood as a mercy seat. Anytime you get in trouble, you can plead for the mercies of God. No matter what you've done, no matter how you've acted, you can come to the throne and say, Father, I'm coming because of the mercies of God and the blood of Jesus guaranteed guarantees you the right. He's made the blood a propitiation or mercies for anybody coming into the throne room. Mercy for anybody. Mercy for anybody. I don't care if Hitler had cried mercy on his deathbed, he'd have been forgiven and washed in the blood. What do you think? You were better? No, we weren't. That's the problem. In that, in that, in, that, in the in the old, in the Bible, the, the the blind man said, "Mercy!" And Jesus stopped. He stopped dead in his tracks because God is a God of mercy. He didn't say, "I want what I deserve." Just don't don't ever use the word "deserve" with God. He don't like that word. I don't like it myself. God has said as a propitiation by his blood through faith. Faith in what? The blood. Catherine, all he ever asked me to do was have faith in what he did with his blood. Amen. Amen. That's it. I'll come over here. That's how I'll come over here. All he's ever asked me to do is put faith in the blood. We look at our life and go, I mean, the devil, the accuser of the brethren. Well, you know, you sorry dog. We're going to get into Revelation if we get time tonight. It says we overcome him by what? The blood. So what do we say to Satan? And it's obvious what he's saying is so. <laughs> you know you did that. What do you have to say for yourself? The blood. <laughs> this is good preaching. I don't care. You say, is, is it that easy? It better be. <laughs> it better be. 
This is so good. Woo! God set forth as a propitiation, reconciliation, and mercy seat by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just a totally holy God, but also the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus. Now here's what ticked the Jews off. This ticked them off. How can a Jew live all of his life under the law and a Gentile got born again in one minute? And that ticked them. That was why Paul had to write the book of Romans. Because the, Jesus said, the Gentiles who have no law will enter in while you will not. Because you won't enter in by faith in the blood. You're trying to keep the law. Therefore, you're judged by the law. And here's a people who have kept the law from every day, Sabbath, every law, and you and I are total heathen from hell. Walk in the throne room and go, I believe in the blood, and he treats us like we've never done a thing wrong. And gives us righteousness as a gift. Now do you understand why the Jews tried to kill Paul? Because this is what he was preaching. Yes, yes, yes. You can take a, an uncircumcised Gentile and get saved in one minute. Wow. Now, how come we took it and the Jews didn't? Because we knew we were heathens. They don't know it yet. There is an advantage to the ones of y'all that are hell raisers. I didn't say it was okay to raise hell. I said there is an advantage because you don't have a lot of self-righteousness that I've got to put up with. So when I see little heathens coming in, I like y'all. It's the Christians that are a pain in the butt. Why, we wouldn't look or dress like that for anything in the world. And then you get some heathen here going, have mercy on me, Jesus. And little heathen's getting healed and everything. And old Christian's back over there going, I've been coming to church 25 years. And I ain't never got no healing from God. And he ain't going to do nothing for you either because you need to get, all, get on your face. Okay, anyway, anyway, I just thought I'd help um, a couple of you out anyway. Woo! Oh, Romans 5, 9, much more having been now made righteous by blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. <laughs> Boy, you talk about, that's good news, guys. Somebody say, I think we're going to home and sing about the blood tonight. I think we're going to sing some songs about the blood of Jesus. Amen. All right, all right. How we do it? Oh, man. Hebrews 10. So have I answered it? Have I helped you a little bit with what moves God? Yeah. 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 Have you ever wondered why Benny Hinn seems to get more people healed than pastors? Because there ain't nobody in the congregation self-righteous. It, it takes years of being in a church before you get as screwed up as y'all are. I'm being honest. I'm really being honest. They in my chair. I bought that chair. How come I'm coming here and sitting in my chair? <laughs> you unthankful wretch, sit in the floor by God. You don't need no chair. Listen, listen, if the, the, the longer you go in Jesus, the more difficult you're making my job. Because you think that somebody owes you something because I've been in this church for 25 years paying my tithe. 
baptized and coming here on Wednesday night. And God don't care about how many times you come in, how much your tithe has been, and how many times he don't give a raw flying rip. He's going to answer your prayers because of the blood. The same as if some heathen come walking in that door. You either coming by the blood or God ain't talking to you at all. Don't add the blood plus your church membership to it. I prayed five hours. God don't give a rip. You played ten. You go over there and say the blood. God goes, come on. Come on in here. We need to talk. Thank you, Shirley. I thought I'd just help us out. <laughs> Y'all know I'm having fun. 1019. Therefore, having brethren, having boldness to enter into the holiest by what? The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. You can be having a week where Satan has done everything to screw it up. I mean, the car's falling apart. The kids are raising hell. Your marriage ain't doing good. And you walk in on Sunday morning and go, oh, the blood of Jesus. And God goes, send about 100 angels down there and help her out. That's right. And, 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 and it looks like God likes them more than they do other people. No, he likes Jesus more than he does everybody else. And you've just learned how to get a hold of God. Let's look at another one, 9-11. Hebrews 9-11, let's pop it over there and read it. But Christ came as a high priest on the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the holy place once and for all and obtained eternal redemption for you. In a hundred thousand years, God's still going to be treating you good because of the blood is still going to be on the mercy seat. It wasn't for one day, one for a week, one for a month. He was forever. Forever and forever and forever and forever. Now, I'm going to tell you something that happens. When you start getting to where you understand the blood, you'll stop avoiding God. We're going to have a prayer meeting. Well, I'm not coming. You know, I mean, um, I don't talk to him much. You talk to him for me. Why do people think that way? Because they, they, they don't understand that you're accepted. You're, God's not looking at you. He's looking at the blood. You just come on in there and say, the blood. He go, come on, come on in. I got a place at the table for you, what you want. Mm, 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 mm. Make you want to crawl up in his lap and hug him and kiss him. Uh, let's, let's finish reading this. Where was I? Nine something or another. Well, 12. If the blood of bulls and goats and ashes of the heifer sprinkled unclean was for the purifying of flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. For this reason, he's the mediator of a new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgression under the first covenant. Those who called may receive the promise of eternity. What is he saying here? Listen, you and I have got to get over being sin conscious. Yeah, but... You don't know me. We don't want to know you. The, the more you're meditating on the blood, the more excited you're going to be about your Bible and church and God and realize that you have access into the throne room and get anything you want. Just like Jesus. So faith in God is really faith in what Jesus did. And when you, when you start applying, and, and listen, and let's go back to something Mark Hankins made a statement. His, when Mark Hankins was a little teenager, he was a heathen, little heathen. Mom and dad were pastors and Mark, 
you know, he, how many car wrecks was he in, Lisa? And he'd bring a little heathen girl over home. And his mama would look at him and say, I plead the blood. And Mark would say, that's embarrassing. My mama would come up and look at my hot girlfriend and go, I plead the blood. In other words, God... I'm putting the blood on him. Don't let him marry her unless she gets saved. She is calling on the blood. God, fix that. Sometimes you got to look at your teenagers and go, I plead the blood. Look at your wife and go, I plead the blood on you too. Look at your husband and go, I plead the blood on you too. In other words, you putting God on the sea. You saying, I need some help down here. I got to have some blood on this situation. Because God will meet you at the blood. I'm gonna, uh, uh, go to Exodus 25. <laughs> Anybody? <laughs> it might rain tonight. My orange trees need it. I'm tired of watering with a hose. Now look at this and, and mark it in your Bible and don't ever forget it. Let me tell you something that will help you. If you'll get these scriptures on the blood and you'll start confessing them, I don't, not, not for God, for you. So you get rooted in this. Get rooted in this. So the next time the devil comes at you, you're not standing there going, oh, I don't know what we're going to do. You don't need to worry about what you're going to do. You and I are always going to have situations that are impossible. You understand that? Not possible. All right, look at this. Exodus 25. Look at what God said. And I will meet with you. I will speak with you from above the mercy seat between the two cherubim which are on the ark of the testimony about everything which I give in commandment to the children of Israel. Where did God say he would meet with him? At the mercy seat. You want to talk to me? You come in here and stand in front of my mercy seat and you come in here and stand where the blood has been applied and I will have a meeting with you. I will talk to you about anything if you'll come to me at the mercy seat of the blood of Jesus. <laughs> See, up until now, we thought that God just had a special giftings for special people and he specially healed a few people here and there. Well, let me tell you what he did. He's stopping the program of the big dog in the front. You're his kids. God does not want pastors between you and him. Pastor, you need to pray for me. God will put up with that for a while. But after a while, he'll go, Pastor Darrell, please move. I want to talk to Rosa myself. Tell Rosa to her meet with me. At the mercy seat. Y'all see that? It's not that, that the gifts have died, but the more you go on in God, God is going, uh, don't, don't, don't keep coming through somebody. I want you and me to know each other. I got, I got a five minutes, I'm going to tell you a story. Right after I got born again, I, I, I got a hold of some Jimmy Swaggart tapes and Kenneth Copeland tapes, and I started learning how to believe God. And one day, I, I got my Bible out, and I made a list of everything I needed. I had an old 65 Chevrolet pickup truck. The whole bed was rotted out. You throw something in the back, it went to the ground. Anything back there. But those old metal slats, wasn't nothing back there. The transmission was a three on the tree. That means you held, and you better hold it in second because you will take your hand off it, jump out. 
first and second gear was synchronized. It was gone. It was just, whoa. Now, this is the way it read. It wasn't very fast. Wasn't no vet. Transmission's going in this thing. What else is wrong with that truck? Um, I'll think of what's wrong with it in a minute. I, I made a list of everything that truck needed. I needed a new pair of jeans. I needed, some, I needed some groceries. And I just made a list of everything that I needed. And I went to God and I said, I need $1,000. And I'm standing on the word for $1,000 and claiming it in the name of Jesus. And the Lord spoke to me after I did that for about three or four days. And he said, um, can we talk about this money and then he said this to me. Listen, he said, if you push me, you're going to force me to give you the money. He said, I'm not your banker. I'm your father. I want you to ask me for every individual thing on that list and let me supply it. Oh, I needed tires. I said, okay, that's a deal. So I went down the list and I prayed over the, the wood for the back and bolts for the back and a new transmission and, and a new motor. It was blowing smoke. I mean, it wasn't nothing on the truck worth a nickel. And, and God, in the next month and a half, I, I went to work and, and the guy with the bolts said, do you need bolts? I said, absolutely. He said, give me a list. I'll just give you what you need. I went, awesome. <laughs> I went to the lumber yard and I said, um, how much is wood? And he says, I got some old oak back there and it's, it's got oak on the end of it. He says, it's trash to me. It'll fit in your truck. I just give it to you. Then, then for a transmission, I had an old toolbox in the back and something else. I can't remember what I had. And I had a friend said, I got an old GMC school bus transmission. I'll trade you for that toolbox and what other other thing I owned and so we traded I got a transmission it had a four speed it had a first gear second gear was lower than the original first I mean first gear would make it stand up drop it back it wouldn't do but five miles an hour in first gear Woo! But one day I'll tell you what I use first gear for in that old truck but it had an old stick shift that I had to bend it and I'm going down the road like this changing gears and I was a bad to the bone, man. A 65 Chevrolet truck with a big old GMC school bus transmission. And I'm bad because, anyway, never mind. At the end of a month, everything I prayed for came in and not a penny exchanged. And God said, I'm your dad. Don't turn me into a banker. God wants a relationship with us. And sometimes he's going to bypass the big dog. It's not that the pastors don't care, but someday you might want to get to know your own daddy. <laughs> that he loves you. I got three minutes. I'm going to tell you all a story. I'm in my office one day. and I, Well, I left the office and I'm driving down the road. And don't get offended at the word I'm about to use. I'm fixing to use a denominational word, but it's the one God said to me. I, I left the church and I went down the road and I'm going down. I think I went to Subway and the Lord said to me, you're no different than a Catholic. I said, excuse me, you have just offended me beyond measure. I'm no Catholic. Now what he meant by that, what, what, he, what I meant by that was that a Catholic believes you've got to get to uh, a saint to get to Mary, to get to Jesus, to get to God, or something like that. There's probably three or four more people in there. And I said, I am no Catholic. He said, you're teaching your people, they got to come to you to get to me. I said, excuse me. I walked in the office and Barbara Neff was the, was the secretary, and this is what she said. So-and-so just called and ask you to pray for her pastor. I said, call her back and tell her no. I just got chewed out for that. 
call in the office to get the pastor to talk to your father. That's ignorance gone to seed. We've crippled you by not teaching you this. You have the same blood covenant Kenneth Copeland and Jesse Duplantis have. Now, does that mean you don't need the office of a pastor? You do. But that doesn't mean that he is over you and between you and Jesus. Come on, y'all. This is good preaching. I'm out of time. I mean, I got exactly 30 seconds and I'm done. I hear that rain. Oh, y'all, y'all can leave. If you'll use your faith, it'll stop. How many of y'all want to say, I plead the blood? I plead that blood. Say, hey, there's one more scripture I didn't go to. They, I, I did quote it. They overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of the... What does that mean? The devil brings an accusation. Look at him and say, I plead the blood. I plead the blood, you sorry dog. And he's always got up to something with you. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to get to where you're going to walk around acting like a Pentecostal now. I plead the blood, baby. I'm pleading the blood. Now, if you don't understand this, people, they'll look at you like, what in the world does that mean, I plead the blood? That sounds kind of religious to me. Well, if you don't know this, it will sound religious. But once you know this, you know what you're doing. Amen? So let's pray. Father God, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you that we have access into the throne room of God. And Catherine would like for you to stop this rain so she can go home. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.